0: My guest today is the host of the podcast, Growth Mindset University, which is ranked sixth in Apple's self-improvement category, third in the training category, and 15th in the highly competitive education category. On his show, he effectively creates the school of his dreams, where his audience is given lessons that they should have learned in school, but didn't. His guest list is beyond impressive. Grant Cardone, James Altucher, Mark Manson, Dan Locke, and many, many others. He's also the founder and creative director of Trend Up Media, a podcast agency that produces profitable podcasts for businesses and is the author of the book, The Podcast Playbook. And did I mention that he's accomplished all of this by the age of 22 while still attending college? On this episode, we talk about a lot, including the insights that he shares in his books from his experience as a podcaster. We learn what advice he would give to anyone just starting out, how he is able to book A-less guests. He shares an amazing story about how we should all think about how we approach interviewing. And we learn how to build a business around your podcast. So let's not waste any time. Let's jump into the conversation with Jordan Paris.
1: Billy, thank you so much. I appreciate you.
0: Oh, man. Well, I'm elated to have this opportunity and to dive in and pull up our sleeves and talk everything podcast. You say, and you've said this many times and through my research, kind of learning more about you, that your first show, you kind of just decided to do it one, as you put it, one fine April 2018 afternoon. But I want you to describe I and mean, put yourself. I know you've said many, many times you're not the most proud of those first episodes, which I, listen, which I listen, which I listened to, and they're not, they're not as bad as you think. There's a
1: secret. <laughs> go ahead. I re-recorded and replaced the audio files about six months in. So Got it. While they are still bad, they're not nearly as bad as they were. They were really bad. <laughs>
0: okay. All right. Hey. Well, there you go. That then that's a great tip right there. Is you you're not wedded to any single episode. No, you're, you're not. You can always replace it. That's a beautiful thing.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: I'm all about actionable tips. So that's a great nugget right there. But let's go back. You recorded your first show. You started the journey. And one of the things that you say when you said you start your journey is that you really didn't want to be perfect. You said you were going to grow as you go. And so I love that thinking and that mindset that you had back then. Where were you? I mean, where were you recording it? Was it that day you were inspired or you had been contemplating it for a few weeks? Walk me through the mindset.
1: Yeah, no, I remember being at my desk, you know, staring at the wall, recording it. That's what I, that's what I remember doing. Anything else about that day? I really don't remember. I just... Knew that I was going to do this thing. I didn't really have great reasons behind it. I certainly like, did not put too much pressure on myself. I was taking this imperfect action. My aims were not very high in the beginning. And I could do that. I could afford to do that because I had an audience of zero. So mm-hmm. why did it matter? I had nothing to lose. Like, get over yourself and just do it. So I said, I did. I just did it. I got over myself and shipped it, put it out there.
0: And I think you should be because what you've built is incredible and not just the podcast and your businesses, but the community that you've built and not just your fans, but peers and the people that you've looked up to. I know one of the big things that you really focus on is interviewing your heroes. Maybe you read a book five, 10 years ago, you interview them or it's a rock right. star, right? You know, right. I, I love that mindset and I think it's just so valuable. And you said you didn't really Really know what you were doing did you have any expectations at that point like if yeah. you were to flash forward look in the future did you have anything that you were hoping it would be
1: <laughs> that's funny I, in, in this one notebook I, I had a list of guests that i wanted to have and, it, and it's just a, it's very very funny to me the aims that i had i wanted to be a, a very average middling podcaster I didn't want to interview the people whose books I consumed and whose music I, I listened to and whose products I used. Like, I wasn't shooting that high. And it's reflected in, it sounds superficial, but it is reflected in the names that I wrote in that notebook to eventually have on my podcast. Because the names in there pale in comparison to mm-hmm. the people that I actually ended up interviewing. It's a really cool thing for me to see that my aim, I went stratospherically like above and beyond what my aim was.
0: Mm, that's interesting man. I can relate to early on conceptualizing who would be the guests and I created buckets so I'd have a an A-list, A list, a B list, a C list and and ultimately, you know, I had that dream list but Honestly, I didn't contact any of them. Right, right, right. And which maybe is a good idea as a new podcaster, and we could get into that. But when did you decide? So, you had this great story in your book about a guy named Kevin Rudolph, who was one of your earlier interviews that you were bouncing off the wall with excitement yeah.
1: when you got the, the email.
0: Tell that story, man. That's a great one.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Nobody's ever asked me to tell the story on a, on a podcast. I know I tell it in my book. It's just really cool. Like, so I. I forget how he came back, you know, he came back up in my head. I, maybe I heard a song of of Kevin's, uh, maybe I, I, I heard like Let It Rock. And I was like, oh my God, you know, what happened to that guy, Kevin Rudolph? Like this was my favorite song in 2008. And it was one of the biggest songs in 2008. So you describe it as a soundtrack
0: of your life, at least in, in one form.
1: Right. And then, you know, and then he had like this album come out in 2010 with these other, I would call his genre of music, like inspirational, very inspiring lyrics, empowering lyrics. And when you talk to the, to the guy, I mean, you really, you get that sense too. I mean, he's all about that, you know, inspiring others through his music. And I remember being in the pool and I was like, think, and I was thinking that like, what happened to him? I'm like, oh my God, I should reach out to him. (laughs) And I ran back to my computer and typed away uh, an email. His email was very easy to find. I'm not going to, sell it out here. I'm not going to sell you where you can find it, but it was very easy to find it at that time. And I sent an email telling him why his music was like special to me because it was, especially as like a, an 11-year-old kid on the bus on the way to school with his iPod, like listening to that. Like that's what I did. I listened to Kevin Rudolph on the way to school. I looked out the window. I remember it like very, very distinctly. And I got an email back. Do you remember? What was it like 40 minutes later, an hour later, two hours later? It was later
0: later that night. I think you said it was like, might've been 45 minutes later, I think. Yeah.
1: Bottom, bottom line. It was very quickly. And he was like, let's make it happen. And he's since become like, I swear to God, he's like my biggest fan. He likes everything I post everywhere. Like we're friends (laughs) on every platform, like any comments. It's like a really cool thing. Like I don't, He's one of the most engaged followers I have. Like, he's an awesome guy, really great guy.
0: That's so amazing, man. What a story. You go through life and we have these moments that we look back on and with fondness. And it was just, I love that you use the word soundtrack of your life because we all have those songs that stick out and the people who sung them and the artist, you kind of think they're not humans, but they all are, right? They're all just people. And I think one of the important things to remember as anyone creates a guest list for a podcast is, yeah, some people are going to be hard to get to. But you got to be a human first. And I think ultimately, the more human you are, the more likely others will gravitate toward yeah. that.
1: Yeah, yeah. I try to show people that I'm not reaching out to them just because of their name. I don't do that. Like, there's, there's a lot of famous people out there that I would get a lot of clout for interviewing. But, like, you know, I'm not going to because they're just not special to me. Like, I haven't consumed their work. It's just not special to me. Like, it never... It doesn't really have much meaning to me. I like to interview people whose stuff I already consume that I'm like ultra curious about, getting to know more already to begin with. I don't like to feign curiosity. Feigning mm. means pretending. I don't like to pretend to be curious. You know, I reach out to people like I'm already naturally curious about. Of course, we can be curious about anything. Feigning curiosity is certainly a. Very important conversational skill when you're out in the real world. But, you know, on my podcast, I just like to interview the people that I'm already naturally curious about. Like I said, I show people that like what their work has meant to me in like a one or two or three lines. I don't gloat and put myself in the the fan slash follower category like below them. I don't want them to like swap me like a fly because I think I'm below them. But bottom line, like one of the first things I say when I reach out to these people is why I care.
0: So you offer a course on your website that you give away. I mean, you you do give people the option to pay, which anybody going to take the course, it's well worth it. But you also in your book... And in both places, you include some email templates, which outline exactly what you say to people. I think you bring up a really good point, which is you don't want to be perceived as just a fan that's like just vying for their attention. Because again, they're getting hundreds of emails a day. How do you stand out? Though, I mean, somebody could go get the templates. Those will be very helpful. But just give us a general sense of how do you say that you really appreciate this person's work in a succinct way? Because they're busy. They don't have a lot of time. You got to capture that message in bite-sized chunks.
1: Yeah, look Like I said, one to three lines. You're not gloating. You're not going on too much about it. You're pointing out something specific, not like love your work. Stupid. Everyone sees right through that. You're not going to get a response. Anyone can say that. You don't have to read their book to, to say love your work. So pick out something ultra specific, an ultra specific concept from their book or something that they mentioned at like the 17 minute mark in their podcast to show, literally prove I consumed your content. Something that you would never know. You'd never be able to know otherwise had you not consumed their content. And that gets a response. I'm starting to see it with me too. Like a lot of people ask me to be on their podcasts. I used to say yes to every podcast, but now I don't. And a lot of times I don't respond anymore just because we only have so much energy, so much time in a day. I just don't. It's better to uh, not respond a lot of the time. But I don't even care how small someone is or their show has like one rating or zero ratings and they've never done a podcast before like... They're telling me about Growth Mindset University and how this episode and this episode, like, Changed their life. Like I literally did it yesterday on podcast with someone for that reason. I, I'm a sucker for that. Like I will, I will absolutely do that podcast. You've consumed my work and and it's really cool for me.
0: There's some really important takeaways there, which is if you send something like I love your work, that's a throwaway line. You are wasting valuable real estate in wasting. your email. <laughs> and then the other piece is be specific. But what I'll add, and, and I think you're what you're saying and what I'm hearing is it's not be specific, like what are a hundred other people gonna say? Oh, Brene Brown, I love that you talk about vulnerability. Great. I'll be honest. I did send her a note. It was something super specific because she actually quoted my uncle, who is, who's a, a pretty well-known person in her space. So I was very specific. Now, of course, I haven't got a response back from her yet. She's, uh, I, I reach out
1: to her, too. She's impossible. She's very we'll unavailable there. right now.
0: <laughs> we will get there mark my words you will get there i will get there mm. we will we will get i do believe that let's go back a little bit one more time to the early days and then we'll move to more the building blocks of how you're creating the podcast that is is really amazing dude like honestly Thanks. Top notch. I'm a fan. I am an absolute fan of your show. And I'll be honest, I've become a bigger fan as a result of listening to more shows and doing my homework and learning more about you. And you just have a hunger and a natural curiosity. And you're obviously getting some great people on the show and you're asking really great questions. So thank you. That wasn't the case to your own admission early on. And in fact, you mentioned in a couple places that. There was a week where you got a total of nine downloads. I think it was June. You started your podcast in April. What was going through your mind? I mean, yeah. do, were you actually contemplating quitting? And and then what was the tipping point that got you away from where you were at that point? Yeah. You
1: know, it was a little bit after that period last week of May, first week of June, where I had you know nine downloads in that span of seven days. It was a little bit after that. Honestly, then it, it didn't really affect me. I went back and saw that later. I just still thought I was the best kept secret and I was still having fun enjoying it. Um, It wasn't until September of 18. I was at that point, maybe episode 30 or something. And I was seriously considering uh, throwing in the towel. I was like, what's the point of this? And I just, uh, I I went on. (laughs) I marched on. Thank God. Imagine, like I'd be like everyone else who does the pod fading thing, they call it around episode 30 to 40 or even episode 10. Like that would suck if I was just one of those statistics, one of those people that just pod faded. But yeah, I think there was a real tipping point when Started to use LinkedIn the month after. And then in January, so I'm building traction on there. And then in January of 19, someone encouraged me to stop waiting to reach out to these people that I really wanted to reach out to and just do it now. Mm. I started doing it now and
0: it changed my life. Can you think of who was the first person? I know obviously Kevin Rudolph was a big one for you, but who was the first person in that time frame where you started using LinkedIn? You started actually actively reaching out to these people. They maybe were on your list, but who was the first person that said yes, that was that one that got you excited that maybe yeah. helped you?
1: David Meltzer. I don't know if you're familiar with him.
0: You mentioned him in your book. And one of the things that I love about what you say is that here's a person who's just a human he's posting on LinkedIn, you played the long game, which is you've, and maybe, I don't know how long you played with him, but you were commenting on his work. You're making yourself noticeable, which LinkedIn, I mean, it's crazy to me that more people aren't leveraging LinkedIn. I know. I would say it's a big secret, but it's no secret that Almost anybody who does anything significant is on LinkedIn. So walk me through, you had him on the show. After that point, did you just get more confidence or what was it that having him on the show, it's because of his name recognition, what was it that got you going?
1: Yeah. I just started like, it was a little bit of confidence, a little bit of like, I can do this and just leveraging one thing into the next, one achievement into the next. And that's what I did. I just started taking more chances and being bolder and bolder and bolder. And then the social proof accumulated.
0: So this is a a, kind of a, a lead into the preparation process, the research process, which I'm honestly floored when I frankly observe podcasters that spend little to no time preparing and yet it's the norm. It's shocking. So I'm cute. I know just your face says it all. So but you're not that. And it was so refreshing to read your process. And mm. Jordan Harbinger is I've yes. been fortunate enough. He's he's coming on my show. So and I know he's been on your show and I can tell you've learned a lot from him. I yes. I as well have it's like he just he out he says he outworks other people and you're doing the same thing, brother. Like you're Thank you. you're outworking and out hustling other people by doing what everybody else should be doing. And right. that's, and that's part of, that's part of yeah, the goal yeah, yeah. of this do the show. Right thing.
1: Just do, do the right do, thing, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, so tell I me what you do. Tell me what you do. Do, do those things that you know you should do. What do I do in terms of preparation? Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, I know cause I've read your book, yeah, but yeah. for those that haven't, walk me through your process.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I kind of get an aggregate of like podcast appearances that they've done. I'll, I'll go to like Spotify. They have a really good, in their Spotify app, there's like a really, they have a good search function that other podcast platforms just don't have. You know, So I can look up for someone like Kerwin Ray. I don't know why his name came to my head, but you could look up just Kerwin Ray and you see all the podcasts that he's been on. And so it's easy. And you know, I'll listen to a few of them and kind of get a feel for like their usual talking points, mm, what they right. talk about all the time. And then I steer clear of that. <laughs> sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What
0: everyone else is asking them.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And then maybe like a little thing, passing comment or something ultra specific from their book or... Just something that they don't usually talk about, like I like to talk about. With James Altucher, for example, like I realize that yeah, you know, on every podcast he goes on, you know, the, no fault of his own. It's just because everyone asks him about this, but he talks about, you know, how he lost $10 million and then made 10 million and then lost it again and then made it and, you know, gambling and but I didn't need to talk about that when I had him on my podcast because it's already out there. What would be the point of putting it on my podcast? Like it's just an intellectually like dumb thing. To do like it's already out there. Like, I might as well just put their audio file, like, download their podcast and put it online. Like, I'd rather talk about like new things aside, the they hadn't seen before. So, yeah, a lot of stuff like their website and whatever lead magnets they have. Like, you know, maybe sign up for that stuff. But a lot of times, Billy, I like to just get the goal for the episode is to really learn a skill. Mm. by the end of it.
0: Yeah, I mean, and and it's so valuable to take the time to explore. And an example, I I learned this from Jordan and I don't know where it was. I think it was an interview or something that he gave, but he goes to the Wikipedia page and then he goes to the talk section. I don't know if you've done this. It's like, so you go to the top and you see people talking about and you get little nuggets that you maybe otherwise wouldn't get. And right, right. to your point, if it's been asked a hundred other times by a hundred other podcasters, chances are it's been a little played out. And, and you know, I get it. Like there's some things that you, you want to bring out and there's, you, you can't be perfect in that realm, but one it just shows that you you know the person two you're an advocate for the listener and that's another thing that I say, I think is so important is be the advocate for the listener and what the listener wants to hear what your audience wants to hear and part of that is knowing what your audience wants to hear in order to do that you need to be great at interviewing you've studied the best you've said on on several shows that you're 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 still developing you, you don't claim to be perfect oh, but yeah. We all are, man. We all are. But you look at the greats. You look at Larry King. You look at Ferris. You look at Rogan. You have a great story about Cal Fussman. I don't know if you've shared this on other podcasts, but I love this story and I would love it if you could tell it because I think it really illustrates a great point, especially about the heart.
1: Yeah, sure. You know, Cal was interviewing Mikhail Gorbachev and it's funny. The day before the interview, you're supposed to have like 60 minutes or something for the interview. And the day before the interview, the press secretary or whatever notified Cal, yeah, you're only going to have 10 minutes. <laughs> it might've even been five. I think it was right. 10
0: though. <laughs> yeah, and, like 60 to 10. Yeah. A little
1: bit. Different. Yeah. Yikes. Cal walks in there and what's the first question he asked Billy? What was, oh yeah. He asked, what was the greatest lesson your father ever taught you? Instead of asking about, like, everything that was going on in, like, 1990, 1991, like, with the Soviet Union or whatever, like, every other interviewer asked him that day. Because that's what the day was for him. It was just a line of, like, interviewers. Uh, It was a press day. So, he asked this question. And he starts telling this story. Mikhail Gorbachev. He starts telling this story about his father. And what do you know? Cal doesn't even get... Ten minutes go by and Cal and he's still answering, <laughs> and so the the, the press person, uh, the assistant, like knocks on the door and saying like time's up and and uh, Mikhail Gorbachev's like no no no, uh, yeah. <laughs> and then so he keeps telling the story and then like they're they're having like a real interview fifteen minutes the the person comes back and and he's like no and then like, you know, like twenty minutes and then and the person comes back and he's like. No, I want to talk to him. And so I think he got a 30-minute interview. I, you know, I could be wrong with the timings here that I mentioned, but the lesson that, that Cal told on Tim Ferriss' podcast that day is go for the heart first to get to the head. It was a very eloquent quote that he had about it that I really can't recite from now, but that was like the essence of it.
0: And that's what you shared in your book. And it it really resonated with me because I think ultimately, again, it's coming back to this whole human principle. It's, an, it's a human on the other end. Mm-hmm. And so if you come across too robotic, too forced and formulaic, Right, right, right. If it's all business, duh, 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 now this. Now, it's just like you have the getter's mindset, right? Like you just want to get, get, get more from that other person. Thank it, you for sharing it,
1: that. Yeah, it's bothering me right now. So I'm actually like, I'm actually in the manuscripts. Yeah, yeah, yeah no
0: worries, funny. dude. Uh, well, no, I don't know if it's right. I wrote down, go for the heart before the head is what I wrote down. But uh-huh. I don't know.
1: I may have, uh, yeah, go ahead, look it up. So I found this here. Um, it looks like the publicist kept coming back at 10 minute interview, intervals and at the 30 minute mark, publicist comes in panicked since there's now a long line of people waiting to see him outside. Gorbachev just smiled as Cal, at Cal as if to say, what can I do? <laughs> so after getting 20 minutes, 20 extra minutes, Cal left with a successful interview. That's uh, awesome. And he could then write the story for Esquire magazine. Looking back, Cal says he realized the power of having the first question go straight to the heart and not the head, because it was that question that went into his heart that took us to that very deep place and enabled the interview to continue to go on. And because that interview could go, I was able to fill out the page for Esquire. Otherwise, that would have been it. There is no way the interview would have run. Aim for the heart, not the head. Uh, mm. The lesson here is, Cal describes it, once you, once you get to the heart, you can go to the head. Once you get the heart and the head, then you have the path a path to the soul. Ooh, Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> there you go.
0: Okay. I don't remember that part from the book, <laughs> but, uh, but I, I, I might've just, uh, didn't, I might, might've, uh, f- just hadn't written it, written yeah. it down, but love that, man. What a great story. What a great find for your book, which again, I want to emphasize anybody that's taking podcasting seriously, g- go to Amazon, get get it on Kindle, get the, get the paperback. I mean, it's gold. And when what I love Thanks. about the way you write it is there's no fluff. There's no BS. Mm. It's, yeah, you have some stories in there like that one, but the stories are there for a very specific reason. And you can read it in an hour, you know, if you're a slow reader. Minutes, yeah. yeah, I know. You even said that in one, in, in one of your shows. I'm, like, <laughs> I, I, minutes, huh? I'm a slow reader, so it probably took me, and I like to make sure that I, and I'm taking notes and stuff, so it probably took me a little bit longer, but yeah. it, it's less than two hours at the, the, at the most. I'm sharing what people should be doing if they're just starting out. If you could go back, to your old self to help accelerate success. What would you tell yourself, and to the listener out there from somebody who's like yourself who's
1: made it? I'm just very glad that I shipped it. I would just say ship it, start, do it, squadcast. And now you have an awesome solution of using Zoom combined with uh, we're recording locally with like uh, we're recording on like QuickTime in the background of our computers. Very, you know, very good good thing to make sure the audio quality is good because so many podcasters they use Zoom and the audio quality sucks. Mm. Yeah. So use Quadcast, use TriCast, one of those tools,
0: and that's a good one. And the other thing that I think you've used exceptionally well is LinkedIn. And from a marketing standpoint, let's let's talk a little bit about you know how you get your show to rank highly on Apple. Like, it, and I recognize that you know if if it's ranked at a certain point on Apple, like. You get to that point, you're forever, you forever were ranked and maybe you're not always ranked at the specific number, but you've been a a top ranked podcaster in many different categories. How does that happen? Walk us through... The marketing side of making that happen—not just marketing, but obviously you have to have a great guest, a great show, blah, 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 all these yeah. building blocks. But I want to—I want to talk specifically about how you use a marketing engine, which could include Facebook ad, could, could include LinkedIn, and a variety of things. How do—how do you do that?
1: Yeah. Well, look. First off, no one really knows with Apple for sure. I mean, it's their their algorithm, their ranking algorithm is is very mysterious. Everyone has these theories. Uh, oh, it has. Something to do with a lot of ratings in a short amount of time. Oh, it has nothing to do with ratings. You know, you get all this conflicting, these conflicting theories. And I don't pretend to know that I've cracked the Apple algorithm. I think first and foremost, using LinkedIn is a, is a huge step that a lot of people miss. I think you and I, our audiences are, are, are more on LinkedIn. So I may be preaching to the choir here with that. But what I think for the average podcaster, it seems like if you go to you know the podcast movement Facebook group, using LinkedIn is a very foreign idea to them, it seems. Mm. Uh, so I think I think just using that is a, is a very big step. It is
0: interesting to just see how different shows build audiences on different platforms. And I think, you know, one, get good at, at any platform is and get great at any platform is helpful. And then if you could layer in multiple platforms, and, and we'll talk a little bit, uh, you know, I'll give, I'll give, you know, where people can find you at the end of the show. I want to talk kind of real talk for a moment on the the money side of things which you've you've mentioned many times and I totally agree with this that ad revenue you've you've crunched the numbers it's it's just not a, a great business model I mean it's it makes it very difficult to make the kind of money that you or I would want to make, or anyone that wants to have a successful career, if you're not Tim Ferriss, if you're not walking in with and you and these are your words, but if you're not walking in with a best-selling book, a New York Times best-selling book, and a built-in audience, chances are getting ad revenue will be an uphill battle, a long, arduous uphill battle. How do you generate revenue? How do you build a business around a podcast?
1: Yeah. I mean, I mean, look, you know, I mean, to, to just put it into perspective for people the you know, about a lot of people, advertisers look for, you know, about like 15,000 downloads per episode, which is a lot, by the way. And so if you can't really do that, you're out of luck and people really don't have interest in advertising with you. But yeah. And even if you do have those, you know, 15,000, you're putting out an episode every single week and, and you're charging like $30 for the ad slot, which is pretty average. I mean, what was the math? I figured out like, yeah, uh, like 23000 a year. Exactly. It was like $23,480 or something like that, which is great supplemental income, you know, cool. But I, you know, I don't want to answer to those people either. Like, I just don't. And, um, you know, even if you double that in, in your, it's like $46,000 per year. Like, that's fine, you know, it's cool, but whatever. It's not really life-changing money, and <laughs> yeah, to build a you know a business around the podcast. You know, I always mention like this lead magnet. Not always, but every now and then I mention like I have like an ad read of like my free course, how to become a Rockstar podcaster. I, th- I think I saw you're in it. It's a free course, like, and I, I pour my heart and soul into it. You know, people sign up for that by the boatload, and it's great. You know, I'm constantly getting leads for that. You know, which is I, I'm I'm building this gigantic community of podcasters, and my business is producing podcasts, helping people leverage their time, buy back their time, you know, because there's a lot of stuff that goes into podcasting that's stressful and takes four hours per episode. And you know, not ever, it's not worth that for everyone. Yeah, yeah, so I'm just getting a lot of leads that way. You know what I mean? With my clients who do the same thing, well, we bake lead magnet ad reads into the intro, the outro, mid roll, and it's, it's different every episode. You know, sometimes we do no, no ad read. Sometimes we do ad intro episode. Sometimes we do intro ad episode. Sometimes we do intro half an episode, ad half an episode. The opposite of that is saturated stimuli. Mm. Like Joe Rogan, the first seven minutes of the podcast is ads. And I don't know anyone that listens to those seven minutes who doesn't skip by that. So, uh, you know, like, like that stimuli is saturated. Like people, it's very predictable. People know, people have experienced it hundreds of times listening to his podcast and they know what it is. Like they're, it's, it's very predictable. They're not surprised by it anymore. It, it, it gets tuned out. It gets skipped. So uh, we're, we're we're very dynamic with it. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. And one of the things that makes a, just a ton of sense is, yeah, you could advertise for other people. You could have sponsors and you could advertise other people. But what you're effectively saying is you're advertising for yourself, for your own business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're getting them to go to your website, enter their email address because you are giving something of value away. And then once you yeah. give that thing away... The next part of that evolution is something you called the tripwire. So, what is that? What is that? What is that exactly? And 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 I don't want to give sure. away all your secret sauce, but 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 <laughs> but I but I, I did my homework, so I'm curious for the listener out there. What is that next step? Once you get their email, what's the next step, next step? Yeah, it's like a,
1: a, a tripwire, so to say, is a, a lower priced item like, you know, say seven dollars, like the email, the the email templates mini course that I have, seven dollars. You can get my email templates that I use to reach out to people like Dr. Cialdini and Seth Godin and which by the way, that's in like two weeks. And uh, you know, all these people, um, you know, and Dan Millman and Mark Manson, like, you know, uh, and, and and so I give those away at seven bucks. And and that, you know, people, it's it's like in after you sign up, full transparency after you sign up for my, uh, free course, there's like, uh, an up value. I don't mm-hmm. want to call it an upsell, but like, there's an up value, like, like more value yeah. here, you know, um, I, I don't like the word upsell. Um, you know, so immediately after there's an up value that, uh, you know, $7, you know, you want this to, um, you know, the, the, the email templates called up for cold outreach emails. And, um, you know, when when someone buys that, I know that they're a much more qualified mm. candidate to for for our services at TrendUp Media, because TrendUp Media, you know, our production services are not free, and uh, you know, I don't want to waste my time with people who uh, you know who 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 can't uh, honestly like. I don't want to do free consultations for you know with with a hundred thousand people who like can't. Uh, who don't have $2 wrapped together. You know, I don't think any business, business owner wants to do that. So, um, you know, this is a, a little bit of a way to qualify.
0: Yeah. It makes we, a lot of we, sense. We leads. I mean, you get them to go to your website and then you, you're giving them value with something for free, but then you're offering them something that also has value that you're going to charge a nominal amount for. And and as you indicate in your book, it's like once they've spent the, that first amount of money, chances are they're open to spending more money. And as you just said, they may be a qualified lead to spend, you know, the money that it takes to produce a podcast. And you're adding a ton yeah. of value with, with Trend Up Media. So I want to wrap up here with who is on your regular rotation that you listen to podcaster wise, who, oh, okay. who,
1: who are your greats? Who are, your great, who, are, who, are, who are the ones you love the most? James Altucher, number one, far and away. Cal Fussman used to listen to Joe Rogan a lot more. I really don't anymore, but I did just cue something up of his his episode with Zuby. I don't know if you're familiar with, with him. The, yeah, he's a musician. He retweeted something that I posted this morning and I was like, oh yeah, I, I saw him on Joe Rogan. I'll listen to that. Uh, so I have that queued up and so maybe I'll get back into listening to him. I just can't stand Joe trying to pretending to know about coronavirus and, and politics. I just can't do it. That's <laughs> why I stopped, <laughs> you know? Um, uh,
0: I feel you, man.
1: But anyway, <laughs> but I love him. He's really awesome. That's really the main, you know, I've been listening to FOMO Sapiens by Patrick McGinnis because I've been preparing for an interview with him for like two months. So I've been listening to that every now and then. Yeah. Oh, Seth Godin's Akimbo. It's great.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and so, there's some great ones in there. And I think, you, 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 when you're doing research, like you do research, which is the right way, sometimes you, you're a month or two out and, and maybe maybe it's only a few weeks or a week, but point being is just immerse yourself in the content and there's just so much value in, in listening to the, the person you're interviewing, even if they're not a podcast host, maybe they've been interviewed. And, and the other thing I'll say is, if they have no online presence, meaning they haven't been interviewed, there's no book, there's no social media, like, yeah, you could interview That's them. cool. <laughs> yeah, you could interview them, but you gotta do your homework even more because how do you know what to ask them? Right. And so I think those are such easy interviews bec-
1: at the, because everything they say is original. That's true. That's true. Because it, it, Everything they say is new from them because yeah. it hasn't, it's really not yeah. anywhere else. I like those. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, and I've done, I've done a fair amount of those. So I'm so excited to have this experience with you and to have you on the show. I know that anyone listening will absolutely find immense value and have, found immense value from the nuggets you've shared, but also from the nuggets that you share on your show. So I'm going to share kind of where I think people could find you. Correct me if I'm wrong on any of this. So for the Growth Mindset University, you're on all major podcast platforms and, and that's easy to find. You know, you just type in Growth Mindset University and there you are. Your company, if anyone is looking for help with their podcast, a business especially, I know you fo- your focus is on helping businesses build profitable podcasts, trendup.media. Again, that's .media, not .com. You pointed that out in a couple uh, a couple of shows, so I want to make sure we get that yeah. right. <laughs> you are- very active on LinkedIn. So you'll find great content on a pretty much a daily basis from you on LinkedIn. So follow him on LinkedIn Jordan Paris, your Instagram, I dot am Jordan Paris on Instagram and Jordan T Paris on Twitter. Did I get all of that right? And what am I missing? Oh, you the books, right. the books, the books. I've said it enough, but, <laughs> and you will say this, that focus on the podcast playbook. I am just going to say, don't buy Growth mindset. Yeah, <laughs> you can't go back and change the file for your book, yeah, yeah. but I'm sure it's awesome. Even though you you may be more proud of your new book and you will be proud of your next book. So with that, we are always imperfect and figuring it out and growing as we go. Jordan Paris, thank you for being on For the Love of Podcast.
1: Billy, thank you for your enthusiasm and your research. You did wonderful.
0: Stop. Don't leave yet. If you made it this far, please listen for just one more minute because I have something to tell you. I can't tell you how much it means that you took the time to listen, and I really hope you enjoyed this episode. So what do I want to tell you? I want to let you know that I'm here to serve you. If you have suggestions, ideas, possible guests, show topics anything you'd like me to cover on future episodes, please let me know by sending feedback to for the love of podcast forward slash feedback. I want this to be a two way street, not just me talking. I want to know what you want from this show. Ultimately, you will help decide what this show is and how it best serves you to make better podcasts. If you like this show, let me be blunt. The best payment you can give is to rate review, and subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platforms. This is so important and it will help so much, especially during these early days as the show gets started. One more ask, please consider sharing this show with your friends on social media to help spread the word. All right, that's it. Until next time, please remember, everything we do, we do it for the love of podcasts.